you're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. There was an announcement made by God over the city of Bethlehem when he said to them, In the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, you are little among thousands, but from you, from you is coming the hope of the world. From you is coming the light. From you is coming salvation. You are too small among all the thousands, but I have chosen to make a statement through Bethlehem. I have chosen you the littlest among all of those by which I want to make the biggest statements. And I know this may seem bold and it may seem a little bit brash, but I want to tell you this morning that God has determined that he is going to make a big statement through this community and through this body of believers He is going to make a big statement. I'm not confused. I'm not uncertain. I'm not wondering if I should make such a bold claim. I I know it to be true. But what God showed me this week, especially this morning, is that the statement is already written about what his intention is, what the vision is, where his heart is about this place and about you, his people. The only question left when I saw it this morning, the statement is written, but at the end there was two options, an exclamation point or a question mark. And guess who gets to end the sentence? It's us. We're going to end what he wants to say with an exclamation point because of the choice we make, even choices we make sitting here today with what my personal life is going to be about. Am I willing to let the image of God be stamped on my heart so that everywhere I go, whether I'm at home, alone, or whether I'm with my family, or whether I'm at work, whether I'm out on the highway, whether I'm in a department store, it doesn't matter where I am, will the image of God, will we let the image of God be stamped firmly on our life because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us? That's the question. Or will we today hear these words, the words he's going to share this morning and tonight? Or will we hear them like seed falling on hard ground or seed falling on shallow ground, the result being the same, there will be no fruit? We get to decide. The statement has been written. He has something big he wants to say. And I'll tell you sitting here this morning, and you may believe this and you may not, and I'm okay with either perspective that you take. If you're sitting here 
God has somehow connected you with that statement. You think you came here today because you made a choice. God said that isn't true. If you're sitting here today, it's because God chose you. A lot of difference. If you think you chose, you get to choose when you leave. If you know he chose you, you wait until he says something else, but it's a big difference. But I will tell you, you may feel like you're not connected. You may feel like, well, I live somewhere else. That's just where I go to church. Say that to God and hear the chuckle. Because God's saying, you didn't come here because you chose to come here. You came here because I have chosen you to be connected to this statement I want to make. You have been established. According to Esther chapter 4 verse 14. For such a time as this. You may not see it yet. You may not feel it yet. You may not have grasped the vision yet. What God's doing. But you're not here. Accidentally. I entitled this message this morning. The replacements. Now that, when I wrote it down, it took me back. I've never really watched that old movie by that same name, but I know about it. I've watched pieces of it where I think there's a, there's a strike or something in the NFL and they call in replacement players and everything's a disaster. Well, this morning, I will tell you that the replacements are not bringing disaster. But I want to share something with you as I begin. I'm going to ask Sarah to play this in just a second. Uh, a few weeks ago, I saw a video. Uh, and the first part of the video was a video of a man, and his name won't be a household word to you. It would be if you lived in Africa. Because this man named Reinhard Bonnke is the Billy Graham of Africa. I mean... We're talking, uh, when he passed his torch to a young man who had been working in his warehouse. Some of you who were in the One Thing Conference in 2015 heard this story. When, when Reinhard Bonnke is telling the story of this young man who was working in his warehouse stocking books. And they met and the Holy Spirit lit a fire in that moment. And he knew that Richard Colindo, Daniel Colindo was to be the one that he patched his torch to. And in one of those services that I had read about, about Daniel Colindo, 360,000 decisions made one time. So he would be well recognized in many places. Maybe not here, but he is that Billy Graham of Africa. And he shares this story that leads into what I want to share this morning. And then after, we're not going to listen to that part, but after this first part, Daniel Kalinda begins to preach. And I don't mind telling you that 
much of what you're going to hear me preach comes from his message. Came from the Holy Spirit anyway. But I want, us to, I, I want to begin this morning by this segment of this, of this video. So go ahead, Sarah. I want us to begin this morning in the book of Esther. <clears throat> and I want us to go to the most quoted verse in the book of Esther. It's Esther chapter 4, and I'll begin reading in verse 13. Esther and her Jewish families, the Jewish nation had fallen under the, the curse of Haman, trying to destroy her and all the people of Israel, and had deceived the king, and, and had him assign a decree that would allow Haman to kill them. And Mordecai has, has heard that Esther is hesitant of going before the king, going before her husband, hesitant because of the rules, hesitant because this is what, this is the only way. If you come to the king without invitation, you're going in fear of death. And Mordecai hears of Esther's concern. And then verse 13, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether hold thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place but you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Again, we focus on that last part often for such a time as this. But the part that should be quoted, the place where we should stop and linger for a while in that scripture is based in the principle that Reinhardt Monkey shared if you drop God's vision, he will drop you because he will give that vision by necessity to someone else. Now that's not a principle we like to hear. That's not a principle that we like to get our, our hands around. But I will tell you today, and I don't want to be confusing. I don't want to overstate it. But God says, I have determined to make a statement through some place that is as small as this, with a congregation that is as small as this, but with a heart that is tremendously large, I am determined to make a statement. But if they won't make it, someone will. This is our question. God has established a new vision in this place. Now the question is, what's happening in your heart this morning when we hear that announcement that God is establishing a new vision over this place? Is our heart compelling to understand it? Where do I fit? What God, God, what do you have for me in this vision? Or do we consider that simply to be a vision for the church that doesn't somehow regard me? I told you this morning, if you're here, you're here because you have been chosen by God to be in this place today because you are a part 
Not because you chose it, but because he chose you. God has called us, established us, directed us, perfectly equipped us by his spirit to fulfill his purpose and his will. We're not debating that topic. Have we been made ready? Yes. What have the last 12 years and even beyond that been about? What was Dale Cain about? What was Bill Oliver about? What was before them about? Rex Clayton, what was he about? What was God doing and bringing us to this place? The last 12 years, the message of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit's effectual working in us, what has that been about so that we can learn about it? Absolutely not. God says it's time to make the statement. I don't know how that hits you, but my suspicion is this morning the waters are parting several directions. Some will hear it and the, and the fire will begin to build. Some will hear it and the fire will build, but it, will, it won't take much to quench the fire. It won't take much of a distraction. Some would disregard it quickly. And God is saying, it's okay. My will will be done. If not you, someone will carry that statement. Someone will carry this vision. I know that with the announcement of my change and the transition that we began, it makes people's minds begin to think of different things, different possibilities. That's okay. Perfectly okay. As long as the ultimate answer to your question is found in the heart of God, it's okay. If we refuse, he will allow someone else to accomplish that purpose that he's established in us. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be strange for him to invest not only these past 12 years and next Sunday it will be 12 years, maybe two Sundays, 12 years that I've been your pastor. Dale Cain before that that brought us into some of the most unusual teaching that would just became a platform for which I could step. Wouldn't it be amazing for all those years of God's investment, planning, getting ready for the answer from us now to be, no, why don't, God, why don't you just give that to somebody else? Why don't you give it to somebody else? I know there's, there are unusual pieces to this statement, and I'm going to share more of this tonight. But I look around, let me put it this way. Years ago, when I was still working in the oil industry, I was asked a question about why we were having so much trouble finding hands for rigs and gangs and just all across the board. And I needed to show the management team as clearly as I could what was going on. So I went to the place where the numbers were factual. I took all the school districts in the state of Texas that were west of 385, right out here, west of 385. Every one of those small communities was shrinking. Every school system, which is, those are good numbers because they're reported honestly, about, about changes in student population, every one of those was dropping. 
We've seen that. We've seen schools go from 3A to 2A to 1A. We've watched this happen. Every school district was dropping save one. Guess which one? This one. We have lived in a blessed place. There has been unusual reality about this place from the time I was a child. It's almost as if we were sitting under the covering of God. Like somehow he knew that there was a great purpose coming through this place. And I'm not diminishing what he will do through any other small town, anywhere he wants to choose. But there's been something unusual about this place. I can't define it. I don't know exactly what it is. But I do feel like that, that, that we've experienced it. We've seen it. Why? <clears throat> I don't understand. Why has God chosen this unusual place to let his spirit so powerfully fall? Why is it here that the, that the missionaries, the prophets from Africa long to come? What is it? There is no explanation. There is no reason. There is no way to define it until you bring God into the story. He has a plan. He has a purpose for this place. He has been bringing us, training us, teaching us about his spirit, getting us to where we would actually believe that he's God again, believe that the miraculous still happens, expect the greatness of God to be able to rain down on us, to pour an anointing out on us. We use these words. We believe that God's still about this. Now the question is, will the statement end with an exclamation point or with a question mark. I want us to look at a couple of things. He assured Esther, if you step aside from this great purpose, you don't simply miss out. There's a more difficult and challenging outcome. He said, you might just, you, you don't want to go in and you think the answer is going to be pretty benign I will tell you, Esther, if you, don't, if you don't follow what God's telling you now, the outcome is very, very serious. I feel like sundown is sitting at a, at a crossroad. I feel like our area is sitting at a crossroad because I believe we have lived in a blessed area, not only in a blessed city. I think this area is sitting at a crossroad. There have not been great numbers who over the last several years have liked what I have had to say in this pulpit. But for some reason and in some measure you have. It's never bothered me and it doesn't bother me today. Because God's promised to me 12 years ago, Randy's, you've got to take your hands off this place and let me build it. Why would he want that? Because he wanted his image stamped on this church. He didn't want it to look like anybody but him. He wanted to stamp his image on this place so that anyone looking could see that it was actually him. 
I want us to, I want us to look at, at, at three very quick stories. I want us to look first of all, because I want us to understand why would we hesitate? What would cause us as a people to hesitate? I want us to look first of all at the story of Eli. Eli was the high priest. We know the story very well. He was removed from his position of, of greatest honor before God as the high priest. He was removed, and that, that position was given to Samuel. Why? Because he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. <clears throat> and the scripture says, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial, the sons of the devil. They knew not the Lord. And Eli, having these two sons and letting those two sons do what those two sons did, they desecrated the tabernacle. They stole offerings. They were entitled because of power and position. They knew not the Lord. But why from, why from Eli? Because he allowed those to lead who knew not God. Do you think we would hesitate this morning to recognize that we would be in a difficult spot trying to find a vision? If the people to whom he gave the vision knew not God, what's he telling us? That there are some, there is some portion of even sitting here this morning who have been somehow convinced because of some action they took as a child, because of some card they signed, because of something they repeated, that they are a believer. And God is giving us this, not necessarily a warning, but a call to understand, to make sure, again, to know that we know that we know that we know that we are a child of God because the vision will be trusted into those hands of those who know God. I never say anything or question salvation trying to get people to second-guess themselves. I say it so that they can move in certainty. We watch the devastation over Eli and his house and him falling off this bench way overweight. And he says, Ichabod, Ichabod, the glory of God has departed and he falls off that bench and he dies. One of those reasons that we leave the question mark there is if we don't know God. Let's go next of all to the story of Esau, the eldest son and his father's heir. It was Esau who was to carry the name of the family. It was Esau who was to fulfill that which God had given to Abraham and to Isaac. We think, well, no, just Isaac was the, was the, I mean, Jacob was the one chosen. Read in Hebrews about this. Look at this again. It was Esau who was the eldest. It was Esau. So what happened? Why didn't Esau become the one who actually fulfilled it? How come Jacob was chosen in his place? Genesis 25, 34, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, 
And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau had no regard for that which he had been given by God. He had no regard for it. Listen again to those words. I mean, to these words, I'm sorry. Acts 2.38. Peter said to them, Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what's happening across nations regarding the gift that we have been given of the Holy Spirit. The church has largely said we have no regard for the gift that we've been given. Esau had no regard for the place that God put him. He had no regard for the position that he held. He had had no regard for the equipping as the eldest son to carry that which he was supposed to carry. He had no regard, no appreciation for that which he had been given. And I will tell you the, the, the strangest, most devastating piece of this story is that the church has no regard or little regard for that which we have been given, that which gives us power according to Acts chapter 1. When the Holy Spirit comes, we will receive power. What's happened to the power among the people of God? We lost our regard for the gift that we've been given. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave commandment. And he that keeps his commandments dwells in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the Spirit which he gave us. We will not move this vision. We will not make the statement that God chose to make if we have no or little regard for that gift that we were given. The testimonies would turn into the thousands and hundreds of thousands if we asked those today to try to explain the move of the Holy Spirit in the church today and I'm, and I'm not talking about among the novices. I'm talking about those who are mature in the faith and find the absence of their ability to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in his body today. They don't know. They don't know. I used the illustration on Wednesday night, and I heard the illustration, and I wish I could remember where. One of you hears it, you may can remind me. If I come in from the outside and I've been mowing the grass and I'm dirty and sweaty and grass and dirt all over me and I come into the house and there's a bar of soap on a shelf, what's the chance that that bar of soap will get me clean? Zero. What if I take possession of that bar of soap and I hold it right here? What's the chance that that bar of soap will get me clean? Zero. Why? Does the bar of soap have the potential to do it? The design to do it? Absolutely. But what's it going to take for that which is in that soap to make any difference to me? I'm going to have to take it. 
I'm going to have to not only possess it, I'm going to have to let that soap become intimate with me. I'm going to have to use that soap for which it was intended. I can stand in a church next to the Holy Spirit and we can talk about it all day long and give reverence to the Holy Spirit and it will have no power in my life. I can even take it and say I've got the Holy Spirit and it will make no difference in my life. It's when there's an intimacy between me and that Spirit that my life will be transformed. I have to use it for, for what it was intended and many of us have little regard for that gift that we have been given. We're very grateful for the gift of salvation that allows us to escape hell. We're grateful for that one. Rarely, when I preach funerals, as a matter of fact, I've never preached a funeral of someone who's lost, and I'm okay with that. But it's so often, that's the part that people want me to be able to know, that this person was saved. It's rare. Not, it happens, but it's rare for someone, as a, as a family begins to talk to me, for them to tell me, not, a, not just about the salvation of the person, but the intimacy they had with the Holy Spirit. I don't hear it. I don't hear that conversation that he, hears, he heard the voice of God. She walked in obedience because she heard. She was intimate with the Holy Spirit. Because we have such a disregard for that gift that we have been given. Well, I will assure you again, we will not make the statement intended if we don't understand the regard we're supposed to have for that gift. The third one I want us to look at quickly is King Saul. We know he was replaced by David. Why? Well, I want us to go. I'm going to have to get there as well. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Yeah, just turn right to it. 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'm going to begin reading in verse 13, and we'll hear why Samuel was replaced. God had told Samuel, I want you to go against Amalek, and I want you to destroy, completely destroy all that they have. So Saul comes back, and now he's brought king, the king with him, and he's brought sheep, and he's brought cows, and, and under the intention of offering them as sacrifices unto God, when God has told him, I want you to destroy them. Verse 13, 1 Samuel 15, verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and, he rest, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. <clears throat> and the Lord sent thee on a journey. And he said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then did thou not obey the voice of the Lord? but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of, of, 
of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice them unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great... Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as, is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Why did God reject King Saul? Because he was disobedient. He was disobedient. God's purpose will be accomplished. What will stop us today? If we don't know God, if we have disdain or disregard for the gift of the Holy Spirit that we've been given, or if we hear, see visions, receive revelation, and disobey, there will never be an exclamation point at the end of his statement. And we will look up this church and sundown in this area will have gone the way of so many others. It's not easy to say words like this, but God has chosen us for such a time as this. He's simply now waiting on an answer. Those three things, we don't know God, disregard for the gift, or disobedience may appear in us as anger. It may appear in us as just a bad attitude. It may appear in us as frustration, hurt, bitterness. It may appear in us as apathy or just simply being calloused. It may appear as indifference. It may appear as resistance. It may appear as rebellion. But its source is found in one of those three things. We don't know God. We don't have regard for His gift. Or we have simply chosen to ignore the visions and the revelation that He's given. Every one of us sitting here this morning, because He has brought you here, you're not an outsider. You're not a guest. He brought you here to engage you in this moment so that you individually, first of all, can answer this question, will I, on my heart, carry His vision? And I'm going to explain tonight a great deal about this vision. It will not be recorded. If you want to hear it, you'll need to be here. I'm not trying to be petty. What I'm going to say tonight, I don't want misunderstood. And someone hearing it on the computer could understand some of the things I'm about to say tonight. Chosen. What are you letting stand in the way of you letting that which is God to be stamped across your life. Is it unforgiveness? Is it unbelief? Is it anger? Is it a broken past? 
Is it a hopeless future? What is it? Because God is willing in this moment to remove anything and everything that would stand in the way of you carrying this vision across your heart. He wants so much for His image to be stamped on this place. But it cannot happen if it's not first stamped on your life. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.